Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Sunday, March 19th. We are live one final time from the Phoenix Country Club, host of this week's Arizona Tennis Classic. Of course, this Arizona Tennis Classic has delivered the goods, and I know the biggest headline in the tennis world right now is what's going on at Indian Wells. We'll discuss that on today's show as well, but joining me one last time here at the Phoenix Country Club to discuss everything that's happened this week in the tennis world, my dear friend from kickserverradio.com, it's Andy Zodin. Andy, thank you for joining me all week long, tolerating the nonsense. How are you doing Alex, here on it's, Championship it's Sunday? It's so fun. I've heard so many great things leading up to this week about cracked rackets, and uh, you exceed expectations. <laughs> you are as talented as I've heard and so fun to work with so it has been my treat to work with you all week. It's the first time sure. I've heard that so I appreciate <laughs> it my friend. Um, it, was written, it was written in your handwriting. Yeah. <laughs> Good, you got the script? Exactly. Good I appreciate that and um, no it's always a pleasure to get the chance to be here and obviously a massive thank you to you to our dear friend Johnny Levine as well without whom we would not be here this week. We would not have this event. It's been a stellar week of tennis and again want to talk Phoenix with you. Want to talk Indian Wells. Let's just start though with the scene. I heard a rumor yesterday they had to start turning people away. That tickets were sold out to the max and it always helps to have the Baratinis of the world, the Monfis, the Gasquets in your draw. But I mean yesterday it was Borges, it was Shevchenko, it was Struff and Kovacevic. They were putting butts in seats. I have been so impressed with this Phoenix crowd. You know, and, and what has been so cool about it, and the first time we had this tournament in 2019, I did a little preview segment with Brad Gilbert. Sure. And he said, one of the things that you can look forward to at challengers like this are going to be guys that are just on the brink. Yeah. And you're going to glom onto these guys, and you're going to want to follow them. And it's exactly as you described. Who doesn't want to follow Alex Kovacevic? Yeah. Nuno Borges. You know, Sasha Shevchenko, who has been brilliant. And, I mean, he moves around. He motors around the court like Alex Dimonar. So we have seen the Berrettinis, and, of course, they don't hurt as far as putting butts in the seats. Yeah. Uh, normally the female ones at yeah. that. And then, and then Schwartzman and Monfils and these guys. So you've got this great blend of these, to some extent, household names and mm -hmm. charismatic players. But then you get these new guys that are on the scene. You blend it together, and you've got a beautiful recipe for success in the desert here in Phoenix. Yeah. No, it's been, it's been delightful. And, yeah, it's been a fun atmosphere, too. These fans, they know how to cheer, and they're willing to cheer. They're willing to engage with these players. And, of course, again, a shout-out to the Phoenix Country Club, which it's easy to host an event like this. It's easy to be happy. It's easy to have fun when you're in an environment like we are here. But you mentioned Sasha Shevchenko, so let's start there in terms of talking about today's action. We've got our finals. Uh, it'll start with the doubles final. I believe it's Nice and Zelinsky taking on uh, Withrow and Lamins. We'll get to that in a second. But Sasha Shevchenko, 22-year-old from Russia, He's been the story of the week, and you know, for him yesterday to knock out Matteo Berrettini in three sets, to come back at night two hours later, two and a half hours later, earn another three-set win over a top 75 guy in Quinton Halise. It's fascinating for me to hear you talk about his movement. Why is that the thing that stood out to you? Well, it started in the first round when he yeah. played Gael Monfils, sure. and I felt like for the first time ever in watching live tennis, I could honestly feel like Gael Monfils was the second fastest player on the court. Yeah. How often do you hear that? Never. And I'm watching Shevchenko, and his motor runs hot. I, I, I say that about like a Russell Westbrook sure. you know, Ooh, on the basketball court where you just got a guy that just seems like – for better or for worse, they're moving at a speed that I think exceeds that of everyone else around them. And in, in the case of Westbrook, that can be a double-edged sword. In the case of Shevchenko, this week it has served him well. 
the conditions of the court have been slow. The rallies have been long. It's been hard to, to hit a ball through the court and to hit a ball by somebody. So you've really had to be able to defend the court, mm -hmm. keep a lot of balls in the court. And Shevchenko's motor ran hot all week, and it has been a thing of beauty to watch. It's so fascinating to hear you make that comparison because you're right. It's just... It's very twitchy. It's very like right. I know spazzy is the wrong connotation, but In he this is case, always it is, yeah, yeah, he's fidgeting constantly right. and he's always moving and I do think that nervous energy to an extent it's helped him this week, and I, I think big picture with Miami on the horizon, certainly there were some guys here yesterday. The prospect of a doubleheader, I'm sure, was daunting. Shevchenko's here to win this week. He's not looking beyond just, again, the match repetitions uh, here and to have the opportunity to play multiple top 100 players on a hard court surface, see how his game holds up. You're absolutely right. He has the physicality. It's funny. I mean, no one who remembers former UCLA All-American Boys 18s Kalamazoo champion Dennis Novikov. Like if I say he hits the Dennis Novikov backhand, there are like three listeners who are like, great reference, Alex. And the rest are like, I'm sorry, Dennis Novikov. Um, but And I would be one yeah. of those. Yes, guys. well, so. it's just the, the backhand, it's handsy, right? It's a little right. close to the body. Right. And it's, it, it's interesting on this slow, gritty surface. Certainly you look at his career results on clay, he can get away with it got away with it against Berrettini it's like you're not going to face bigger pace than that and to see him hold up the way that he has yeah he has weapons uh you're he has the determination just the grit that you need to be here to be able to grind two matches in a single day there's also just a hunger like you're absolutely right I, I feel like you can see it. this kid has not taken a single point off this week and when you talk about the handsy, close-to-the-body backhand, I hearken all the way back to the aforementioned Johnny Levine, sure. who you probably never <laughs> saw play, <laughs> I did not. but a very similar style uh, as what we used to see from Johnny back mm -hmm. in the day. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, these, these guys want it, and, and, that, and that goes for both of our finalists yeah. today, Alex. Your good buddy, Nuno Borges, let out a yell when he won his semifinal. <laughs> Man, it's like, okay – this guy's not just here, you know, for the fun of it. Mm -hmm. This guy wants to win a title, and yeah. both of these guys want to win a title, and I think that is what creates the intrigue of today's match. It's great to see Berrettini. It's great to see Monfils. It's great to see Schwartzman. As we said, do these guys hunger for a, for a challenger title the way these two finalists today do? I don't think so. These guys both want it badly, and that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. And it'll be the biggest title of either player's career. Right. Now, each has won challenger titles in the past, but neither has won a 175k event and in fact congratulations to either Nuno or Shevchenko in advance congratulations to them both now the first finalist in 175k history it's right it's an inaugural event exactly. and so their names are written in the history books yeah it's a massive opportunity for Shevchenko it means getting into the top 100 for Nuno Borges it means getting into the top 70 and once you're in the top 70 the whole no schedule exactly the schedule is open you right. get i always say you now get to pick your path and right. that's the name of the ball game you're getting into the first round of all the slams so you're making at least 300 grand on the year that's i'm no mathematician it sounds you like sound a pretty like good you are. yeah it's a good that's a yeah. good living there andy yeah. and so no, it is interesting. I'm curious, what about Nuno stood out to you from a game perspective this week? I just think the fact that he was not awed by the moment or by, you know, he goes out there against a gritty veteran, albeit a qualifier, and Jan Leonard Struff sure. in the second match of the day. As you said, these guys had to play a quarter in the morning and a semi in the afternoon, and Nuno just went out and, 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 and he did him. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? He didn't feel like so he had well to do said. anything different, and, and Jan Leonard had taken out uh, – uh, had taken out Alexander Bublik yeah. earlier in the day in a very impressive fashion of two big sluggers. 
and you're thinking that Stroop is the veteran and he's the guy that may be more well suited to uh, to take on the challenge of a, of, a, of a doubleheader in the day. But it was Borges who, to your point from earlier in the week, has really upgraded his athleticism. And I think that showed in how fresh he, he looked in that second match. Mm-hmm. I also think, and you said it right there, he did him. That's the perfect crystallization of what Nuno Borges brings to the court. You're playing on his terms. That was the theme of his win yesterday, three sets over Popper and the straight set over Stroop. And it's interesting because both Popper and Stroop came on to the, you know, they brought the biggest gun to the gunfight, right? For Stroop and Popper and the serve, Popper and a little bit more serve and forehand base specifically. Nuno takes that away from you. He's just, they're two of the, I don't want to say the best hands because that's not the correct framing of it but he's just so smooth as an athlete he makes contact with the ball exactly how he wants to make contact with the ball every time and if he gets his hands on the shot it's going surface line or deeper he's going to just neutralize whatever it is you're trying to do his kick serves a joke I just like I just want to hit a kick serve like that once Andy just once in my life like it's so easy for him to get that ball shoulder height even on guys like Popper and Struve you know, he's been doing that since college. Kick serve wide on the ad, first forehand inside in. It's just like, it's a set combination that freaking works. It's just like, we've both been around this game a little bit. You know tennis players when you see them. I know this is a very simple, simplistic view of it, but in my mind, Nuno Borges is just a freaking tennis player. Well, and you talk about how every ball goes, you know, north of the service line yeah. or better, but the fact of the matter is, is that he closed out that match Alex, with a couple of the softest, most buttery little drop shots. And you can see the underspin. Oh, my God. And he just disguised them so well. Yeah. And he, they were so soft. They, I mean, he laid them on a pillow at times where that was the play-to-win strategy. Yeah. He had Struff on his heels a little bit. He recognized it. He went to it. And they were, they were just right where they needed to be. And you could tell in those moments, this kid's got the goods. Absolutely. So with that in mind, give me a pick. Who you got today, Borges or Shevchenko? Boy, I tell you what, talk about it's a, tough. A, a 5149 proposition. <laughs> yeah. You're putting me on the spot here with Boy Shevchenko sure look ah, I know. He's just looks it just feels I, like it's I, his week. It does, but I mean to discount Borges based on what I yeah. saw yesterday. You know, obviously Borges had, you know, based on his own on his own success, the lighter load yesterday yeah. only playing 5 sets yeah, it's as six. opposed to <laughs> Sasha's 6 sets. I'll take the, I'll, I'll I'll take I'll take Shevchenko. Yeah. Barely. We have a, a really uh, we have final. a we have a rule, a club that's been established, and it's long-standing practice here at Crack Rackets. It's, it's a code we live by. It's called NDN. Never doubt Nuno. So okay. uh, I'm gonna stick with it because again, I've just seen him in this. Again, in my mind, I know it's simplistic. It's just like he's one shot better than you. And that's just what he does. Like, okay, you went cross, he's gonna go forehand line. Like, oh, okay, you went short, he's gonna go short angle back. I just, it's gritty. It's tough out here. I think Nuno's ready for the moment. It's going to be really good. Double side of things. Withrow, Lamins, Nice, Zelinski, both tough matches for each team yesterday. Got three college guys out on the court, which is something I always love to see. You got, what, A&M, Georgia, and I'm forgetting where Nate Lamins went to, but my brain will work eventually here this morning. It's pretty early. Um, yeah, exactly. It's something. What are you thinking? Three I'm sets? Going, I'm going Texas boys. Yeah, I like because it. Because I'm a Texas boy. Yeah. Right? So I'm a guy that spent most of his uh, most of his years in Texas. 
and Jackson Withrow living living in Austin and, and where I went to school and I've got a place in my heart for him. Plus yeah. I love the kid and I've just gotten to know Nate a little bit this week and you know he's living in Dallas and training with the Philip Farmers and the John Isners and the and the Austin Krychecks of the world. Uh, so he's around some pretty good tennis players. So I think those Texas boys are going to get it done uh, in, a, in a tournament who's also run by one of the greats of all time in Texas tennis, Johnny Levine. Very well said. Well, then, before I let you go, I do want to talk a little Indian Wells. Please because, do. Because, uh, again, these past two days have been delightful. Oh. Just the semifinals were oh. a joke. And to have Sablink, Sakari, Rabakina, Shviantek, Alcaraz, Sinner, and, like, Medvedev Tiafa was supposed to be the undercard. And then Tiafa fights scary. off seven match points right. and makes that a really frisky straight set uh, match. Let's start on the women's side of things. Australian Open final rematch in the Indian Wells final. I believe that's only the second time that's happened here in the 21st century. Sabalenka versus Rabakina. Again, I'm going to throw this analogy at you. Our listeners are sick of hearing it, I'm sure. But I always call it Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club. Those players on the WTA Tour who can have that transcendent level of power, they take the racket out of your hands. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If they play their best, they're just going to beat you. Sabalenka and Rabakina are two card-holding members of Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club. And if you want a stat to epitomize that, average top 50 WTA players holding serve about 71% of the time right now. Sabalenka for this season is at 89%. Rabakina for this season is at 875 those two numbers would set the record for the WTA best serving season by so far, Andy. It wouldn't be close. Is power tennis back? Like, is that what we're learning here? I'm not here sure today? it ever went away. And in <laughs> Sabalenka's case, I think it speaks to the fact that if she's if she's holding serve at the clip that you just uh, yeah. described, think about what that says about how far her serve has come with regard to the the double fault the the infrequency of double sure. faults compared to where we were a year ago at this time and i really believe that sabalenka breaking through and winning in australia has put her in a position to be able to to really exhale because i think the entire tennis world was if nothing else relieved mm -hmm. to see her finally get over the line because the level of tennis that she has been able to play at times has been staggering and i'm not sure it hasn't maybe been a bigger level even than what mm -hmm. Serena brought to the table. And now to be able to hold serve and to, to serve with the consistency that she does. Rabakina, on the other hand, I am just absolutely so impressed with her poise and her moxie and her all-court game. And she will serve you off the court mm -hmm. as well. I I really think she's going to be a multi I mean, she's already a Wimbledon champion. So here we've got players who, you know, as you say, it's a rematch of Australia. Now they've each got a major under their belt. I'm going to go Rabakina in this one because I think these two are going to continue to go back and forth. But I think Sabalenka, I think that, uh, you know, the, the floodgates are open for her now at this point. No, very well said. Quick tangent. Who's next? Because you're right. Sabalenka was the clear-cut Next WTA player who just feels absolutely poised to win a slam. If you've been, you know, if you watch it closely, longtime listeners know we we were on that beat for a while here. Who's the next up most anticipated of like, all right, when are you going to get your slam? It's got to be Goff, right? Like, and I'm not saying she's going to get it in the next two years even, but it just feels like who's the the heir apparent of? Yeah, that player's probably going to get a slam. Like, it, it is it Goff? Is it Pagula? Well, American fans hope it's one of those. Yeah, two. sure. There's no doubt about that. And as far as American fans are concerned, those are your two best bets, particularly because I'm not sure where Anna uh, Anna Smova is at this point. Yeah, exactly. But she was, she was the heir apparent, yeah. and now all of a sudden she's had a, 
uh, a bit of a setback for, for various reasons. Jabur maybe with the two slam finals, but she's kind of injured. Like Garcia, I don't know if I'm there. You know, Garcia is an intriguing one because when she gets going, yeah. she plays. She's another card-carrying member of that club you were talking about. We earlier. say she—you got to have a slam to get formal membership, but she like can come eat here on weekends. Well, and, like, and she, she won the tour final, course. right? Yeah, exactly. So therefore, there's a yeah. It's it's weekend. She's membership. halfway there. Yeah, exactly. exactly. She got a social membership. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> she's so she's on the she's she's on the wait list, but uh, I, I would say. Yeah, I, I would say Garcia is your next likeliest, although between like Goff and Pagula, you know, I would say Coco, if she can just get over the hump with regard yeah. to the belief in herself come that final weekend. Like, she looks like a slam champion up until about Friday of the follow, final yeah. weekend. Well, and then she plays Iga, and it's just right. like it's the worst possible matchup for yeah, Coco Goff exactly. is that Iga Sviantek one. But you're right, to see Rabakina. And I know Ego talked about the rib injury she sustained prior to it, and you could tell physically she wasn't where she needed to be, too, right. even on this slow, gritty surface to track down the bombs Rabak and I threw at her. But I think Savalenka is the best athlete, maybe the best women's athlete in the world right now. Just a combination of power, speed, skill. There's nothing on a tennis court arena Savalenka can't do. <laughs> and yet Rabakina is really similar I'll go Sabs in three sets, but I think that's the key. I'll I'm go gonna, three I'm gonna sets I'm going to go against way. you on that one, too. And I think you're right. From a physical standpoint, I like Sabalenka's athleticism. Yeah. From a mental standpoint, I I, I have a tendency to feel like Rabakina so keeps her cool yeah, a little you're bit so more. Right. Yeah. So there's where I think the advantages between the ears with Rabakina and just just that physical strength and speed of Sabalenka. What a great contrast in styles. What a and great match. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, just, what, a, what an incredible I look forward to final. several of those as we go. Yeah, that's, it's getting good. It's yes, getting it is. really good right yes, now on the WTA Tour, and that's going to be a fun one. But you want two Tier 1 players going head-to-head? -head. You get in the women's singles final. You get in the men's singles final as well. Carlito versus Medvedev. Medvedev, 19 straight victories coming into today's match. I believe there's eight players. I'll go look up the stat in a moment. Eight players who have won 20-plus matches consecutively in the 21st century. By the way, I'm pretty sure Djokovic has done it eight times. Yeah. Nadal's done it seven. Federer's done it six. Like, what? Yeah, you have exactly. eight 20-match win streaks? What? Why don't we talk about that to lead every show? That's right. That's just like a joke of a stat, but Medvedev can join that club right. with a victory today. On the flip side, every time—I mean, again, I, the joke I always make— who cares who the greatest of all time is? Are you alive in the GOAT discussion? Carlos Alcaraz epitomizes alive in the GOAT discussion. And I just tell, like, with my eyes, the combination of speed, fluidity, and just shot-making ability. Like, I know what Nadal and Djokovic are at their best. This guy is something else, though, Andy. This guy takes, takes fearless yeah. to levels that we've never seen it. And I think with the GOAT discussion... It's starting to become a question in my mind, and I don't know how you feel about this notion, Alex, yeah. but is the GOAT discussion based on sort of cumulative accomplishment, or is it how well did you play at your very best? Like, yeah. those are two separate things. Like, to think about Federer on his very best day versus Nadal on his very best day versus Djokovic on his very best day is a different discussion than who's won more majors, who's won more matches, who's won sure. more tournaments. Longevity certainly goes a long way in, in, in the criteria for, for making that determination. 
but as far as who's played the best tennis that's ever been played, Alcaraz is in that discussion. I think he There's is. no doubt he's already. It's kind. Of, he's yeah. the Patrick Mahomes of tennis. He hasn't. Yep. He's got a ways to go to catch Brady and even you know some of these other guys, Manning and so on and so forth. But the level that this guy is playing at is eye-popping. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Is Sinner Alcaraz the best rivalry right now in the ATP Tour? You know, you asked me that before, and, and, and I just am not ready to call it yeah. that quite yet because I'd, right, it's so kind of like when point. they used to ask Andy Roddick about the uh, the rivalry With between Fetter. he and Fed, and, and he'd like say, well, you know, it's only a rivalry if I beat the guy a couple yeah. times. And so I'm just... You know, I don't know what their head-to-head is. I think is. it's now three-all, actually. Oh, is it? I okay. Well, well Sinner got him at Umag final last year. Sinner got him at Wimbledon okay. last year. I know Carlos now has at least three. It's somewhere in the 3-2-3-all three, three range. Okay. All right. Well, then it's it's it's. But Carlos has won the big ones. Oh, well, I guess other than Wimbledon. But the, he's won the last two big ones. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and, and I think that what, on the path. what, what sp- puts them on the springboard of being a great rivalry is that quarterfinal yeah. that they played at the U.S. Open that is that is considered by many to be the highest level of tennis that they have ever seen. Yeah. And that includes my podcast partner, Matt Vlander, who has seen a lot of tennis. Yes, he's seen And a played a lot of great A few tennis. good ones in his yes. days. Was was at one point alive in that conversation of best tennis ever played as well. So, yeah, we're going to— In a U.S. Open final. Yeah, exactly. And so we're, we're going to trust his eyes, too. At the same time— it's so fascinating watching Medvedev because I always say it's Djokovician in in the sense that you just he's in for the fight. Like you're not going to get a ball by him. You know he's not beating himself. You have to come up with spectacular tennis to beat him. And then by the way, he's also six six and can fire a one thirty five bomb at you at will. This matchup to me, Medvedev Alcaraz on a hard court, like. Sign me up for ten of these. I'm right, in right, because right, right. it's the immovable, uh, immovable object meets the unstoppable force. Right? Alcaraz has the boldness to swing through and take his shots at Medvedev. He'll mix in the drop shots. He'll take advantage of the court positioning. At the same time, Medvedev has the serve to make Alcaraz uncomfortable. He, along with Djokovic, maybe the two guys who have the sort of backhands. That's not going to take away what Alcaraz does with his inside-out forehand. But Medvedev's ready for it. He has the requisite height. That ball is going to be at his, you know, shoulder right where he wants it, so he can bunt down on it a little more. I'm all in on this matchup. You know, statistically, these are two of the four players on the ATP Tour who rank top 15 in both hold and break percentage. I ask you, Andy Zone, who do you have today? Medvedev is a guy, Alex, that is so creative and and will outthink you and you're playing him and you feel like you're in, you're involved in a pretty good match and then mid-second set you look down and your tennis shorts are around your ankles yeah. like somehow how'd they get there yeah. and it's because Medvedev just took them right off of you and Alcaraz is almost too I, I, I say this affectionately in, in complimentary fashion he's almost too blissfully ignorant to even yeah. Play into that. Yeah, like, sure. Like Medvedev can come up with every creative strategic move possible, and Carlos is just going to look like, well, I'm I don't get hands. it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Is that a, am I not supposed to be able to come run up on this <laughs> drop shot and roll <laughs> it by you? Because if that was the case, I should somebody should have told me. Yeah, exactly. Because I didn't get the memo. Yeah. So that's that's the problem that Medvedev has with Alcaraz. Is with some of these older guys, they look at Medvedev and they go, I don't get what you're doing. Yeah. Whereas Carlos goes, I don't care. Yeah, 100%. Right? So I'm going to go I'm gonna go Alcaraz because it's going to be like, you know, I, I took my chances against Mahomes in the Super Bowl, and you yeah. see where that got me? Yeah. I'm not doing it again. No, he's, the, he's Mahomes now. That's a, that's a good – I like that call. By the way, 14 players, 20-plus 20, 20 match win streaks here in the twentieth uh, 21st century, which is very impressive. 
Federer seven times, not six. I tried to make a joke one time when I was doing a television show. Yeah for um, Tennis Channel, one of those old best of fives. Yeah. And it was one of these things about things that will never happen again. And I tried to make a joke. The producer said, yeah, Chris Everett, you know, she won she won a major every year for 13 straight years. And I go, God, that's almost a decade. And <laughs> no one got it. They go, no, 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 that's more than a decade. That's and I'm good. like, yeah, I know good. that. Yeah, it was, I was trying to be yeah, like Norm Crosby good. here. But oh well. Yeah, that's you know? good. I like that. <laughs> no, it's un- like, yeah, all of these. Th- I mean, again, just sign me up. It's like Alcaraz is clearly clearly the best teenager we've had since Nadal and it's not particularly close on the ATP tour you know again this is it this you want to know what the tour what the best rivalries what the best matchups are going to look like in a potential post Djokovic Nadal world and I know we're not quite there yet but this is one of the matchups that's going to define this next three to five years Medvedev Alcaraz on a hard court you're going Alcaraz. Just to disagree with you, I'll go Medvedev. But I, I like your pick. I, I actually would have gone with your logic. Is just like I because Alcaraz is just going to keep just swinging. Care. Yeah, exactly. It's just. But on principle, I'll disagree with you. Just Fair because enough. again. And then I want to ask you one thing before please. we before we check out because yeah. the other teenager that I'm intrigued with, but not sure what to make of it. And you seem to have the book on these young guys better than anybody that I've heard. Okay. Sort of get into the into the weeds with it is Holgaruna. Yeah. And I I see him play Mackie McDonald one night, and I'm like. This is the this is the next Alcaraz Runa thing, yeah. and then I see him play Stan Wawrinka the, the next day, and I'm like, I'm not sure this kid completely gets it on a day in day out basis. Yeah, I just think he, he just wants to win so badly at times that I think that is you know the the effort to win is sacrifices maybe making the right decision on court at times, and inherently Holgaruna still sometimes has to fight that instinct of being six feet, 12 feet behind the baseline, grinding, using his physicality, hitting that forehand chop to make you uncomfortable because you're right. Like when you see him in form, he has the weapons, he has the technique, he has the athleticism. His backhand's a joke. Like it's just a slingshot. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's so fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he's on the list. He's on the short yeah. list. I like, again, I, that Paris Masters, it just happened so fast, right? Like, for him to win all of those matches, right. be in the top 10 after start, You know, he started 2022 outside of the top 100. Like, he made his top 100 debut and top 10 debut last season. He's got to be on the list. I, I, I don't have him in my tier one quite yet of, like, locks to win a slam this decade. But he's so young. It's like, what, in 2030, he's going to be, like, 26 yeah, um, right. yeah, by the way, in, in 2030, Coco Goff is going to be 26. That's always my fa- And, like, wow. Igor Svantec is going to be 28. Like, we have not seen their best tennis yet. And I will be a full You'll be 29? card-carrying <laughs> member and receiving Social Security checks. Yeah, you'll be retired living so, at your property, Serena Williams. Yeah, you'll be a Serena Williams Power Tennis Country <laughs> exactly. Club. Exactly. Enjoying oh, the rest oh, of boy. your life. No, but again, something I have thoroughly enjoyed this week here in Phoenix, getting the opportunity to chat with you, obviously, Andy. I Ditto. appreciate you tolerating my nonsense. Any final shout-outs we got to give before we go? Johnny Levine, Phoenix Country Club. Weller Evans, Miguel Nito, having these Anna guys around. at the desk. She's been Absolutely. killing it. All the players and raving about all the guys about all that come done. in to support Johnny. Eric Carita, yeah, sure. you know, former great tour player. Tom Fontana, who came into the University of Texas with Johnny, which represented the greatest recruiting class that we had had in, in many years since the Kevin Curran, Steve sure. Denton days. And having all those boys around, Doug Snyder, who is the, the was a player at Texas and the son of sure. uh, the famed coach Dave Snyder. So having Longhorn Nation come in to support Johnny and come to Phoenix. And then, you know, Dan and his team at the Phoenix Country yeah. Club, the members 
and staff of the Phoenix Country Club. Absolutely. My goodness, how hospitable have they been? The best. And, no, sincerely, it's been such a delightful week. A massive sh a thank you to Johnny Levine, this entire Arizona Tennis Classic And team. I have to say that the addition of Alex Gruskin <laughs> and Dalton Thieneman and, and Joe Pucciarelli, the Cracked Rackets boys, has brought another element of excitement that I think we all were talking about last night and acknowledged what a, what a neat thing to have you guys and your, as I joked about it earlier in the week, and this time I mean it sincerely, is your youthful exuberance. <laughs> Thank you. But your youthful exuberance mixed with really, you know, just, just tremendous knowledge, particularly of the uh, the younger guys that are up and coming. You guys bring so much to the table, and it's, mm -hmm. it's what tennis needs. You guys are bringing it, so congratulations on your success. And, you guys are just gonna you're gonna keep going. Like I the appreciate it. I heard there was a Longhorn reunion at the Taylor Swift concert last night. I hear that's how you guys brought it in. You went and you went and enjoyed it. You shook it off. I missed that. Say. Yeah, oh, you did. I missed that. <laughs> told great. me I would have well, been there again. Andy Zone, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. And again, we'll, let's not make this a one-time thing. Let's do this more frequently. Moving I'm, forward, I'm all about it, Alex. You're the best.